You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Uh, Suzanne, for the warm welcome. It feels like so long ago when I first walked in here, when I was a child. You know, obviously I'm a grown person now. Um, but seriously, I don't know what they're feeding you guys here, but how do you guys look better than when I first came here? I don't know what John is doing. Um, if you can't see this at home, there's about 15 privileged people to be sitting uh, here sitting in front of me. Um, but yeah, even though it was so long ago since I've been here or since I've been up here, um, it feels like home. Like so many familiar faces. It feels like I'm coming into my family. Um, in fact, when I walked in here, my mum said to me, do you need a brush for your hair? And I thought, yep. Just like 2017, again. Uh, anyway, sorry, what am I talking about? Um, good morning, uh, church. It is so good to be here with you today. Um, it's been so long since I've had the privilege. It's, it really is a privilege to be standing um, in front of you. And it's a great joy that uh, for us, that though we may not be gathered in person or together, um, all in one place, as we would love to be doing, and God willing, that we'll be doing soon, next week, um, we have joy because we're united in one spirit and we stand as one building through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and in that joy, friends, let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you fill our hearts today? Cleanse our thoughts and our minds, Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us this morning. The mercy, for the mercies that you shower over us every day. Father, we pray that as we open your word now, you would open our hearts and our minds to hear you and that you would be with me in my thoughts and my words. Lord, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, this heavy passage we have before us is taken from what's called the lectionary reading for Sunday. Uh, if you're not familiar with a, what's, with a lectionary reading, it's, um, it's pretty much this, with a lectionary, it's pretty much this sort of calendar, reading calendar that um, was put together a long time ago by the church. Um, one, to make sure that churches are reading all parts of the Bible, not skipping parts they didn't want to hear. And two, to make sure that churches, wherever they were, were reading the same part of the Bible that day, were hearing the same scriptures. And so wherever you might be, friends, um, be encouraged, firstly, that followers of Jesus all around the world, wherever they may be meeting, whether they meet in, in cathedrals or underground churches or even caves, um, that we're reading the same part of Scripture together, the same passage with you. And of course, for those who would call yourselves followers of Jesus, um, this unity that we share isn't just that we read the same bit of the Scriptures on Sundays, but it's so much deeper than that. Paul says it's as if we are one body with the same blood, as if we have the same blood coursing through our veins. To this unity, he says to the Ephesians, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who was above all and through all and in all. But it probably doesn't feel like that, if you're, especially if you're sitting at home um, in your room alone staring at a Zoom screen. 
Um, but this is the fundamental truth of our life together, that we are one body. And it is in this truth that Paul speaks to the church in Corinth in this passage. Uh, in this letter to the Corinthians, Paul is confident that as followers of Jesus are united in one spirit, they ought to be eager in supporting each other, in prayer, in carrying one another's burdens, um, in any way possible, really. And so Paul, on his way back to Jerusalem, is gathering funds from um, churches to take to, um, to the church in Jerusalem who are clearly struggling at this time. What, what's quite impressive to note is that not only do these churches not know the Christians in Jerusalem, know the church in Jerusalem, but this was a time where there was still great um, tension between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Ju uh, Gentile Christians making up the Christians in Corinth and Jewish Christians in, in Jerusalem. And so writing to the church in Corinth, Paul essentially is calling them to be generous. Generous in their giving to the cause of the Christians in Jerusalem who are part of the one body, even if they don't know them. And so he begins in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that, according to their ability and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Now, I imagine for the Corinthians and for many of us, nothing is more irritating than being compared right, to, some, to someone else. Actually, this is probably something that we do ourselves more than anyone else especially in our digital age, digital age English, um, when we're very good at you know, picking up our phones, as soon as we pick up our phones, humans are constantly put in a state of anxiety over who has more money, you know, who's more successful, who's better, who's better looking, who has better photos of their brunch, or a prettier dog, you know, a prettier puppy. Every time you, you pick up your phone, it screams at you. you know, Look at these people, be like them. You want to be like them. And now unlike us opening up social media, the Corinthians picking up this letter, rather than hearing about the latest trends in Rome or who's, what chariot, chariot people are driving that day, they're told about a few Christians in Macedonia living in extreme poverty, overflowing with generosity. And Paul says, see these guys. Be like these guys. Be like the Macedonians. And though he's not puffing up the Macedonians in any way, Paul makes clear right in the beginning that their generosity is a gift from God. He says, pointing out their generosity, he says the, that he describes it as the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God. Um, Paul then goes on to say that this is a struggling church. Right, describing this situation in two dramatic ways. He says, one, as a church in severe trial brought about by affliction, and two, as a church in extreme poverty. And it's sort of difficult for us, you know, big city people living with our fancy clothes and our cars and stuff, to, and, you know, even when we can't meet, meet, meet each other in person, 
to be able just to tune in on Zoom, to imagine what it's like to be in extreme poverty. I mean, when I was growing up, if you didn't have a phone, you pretty much lived in extreme poverty. That's what, that's what that meant. But no one in Macedonia had a phone 2,000 years ago. They didn't have electricity, um, running water and plumbing. That's stuff people dreamed about. And if that's the standard of life there, what is extreme poverty? It's, and so, to be, so Paul wants to be clear to us. This, this, this is not a church who gives out of wealth, who gives out of what they, the re, like an abundance of resources. In fact, for a church like Macedonia, being generous probably makes things worse for them because they have so little. But in describing the churches in Macedonia, Paul also says something else. Though they suffer severe poverty, what they are abundant is, Paul says, is joy. Which we must understand is joy in the Lord, in the gospel. But more on that later. And so even amidst their poverty, and some might even argue because of their poverty, their joy overflowed not in sorrow or despair, but in a wealth of generosity. I love this wordplay here that Paul uses. You know, their, their poverty overflows in wealth of generosity. And following on, Paul says to the church in Corinth, Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, Excel also in this act of grace. This is his charge to them, to, that they excel in generosity, like the church in Macedonia. And he continues, I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. And Paul makes it clear that the love of the Corinthians he aims to test in their generosity. But it's, it's fair to ask, why is the test of the genuineness of love here, generosity, and not something like knowledge, for example, or speech? Well, because this, what Paul's getting at here is that this is the love of the Savior, right? This is the love of Jesus, a love that is sacrificial, a love that gives, gives freely. In calling the Corinthians to exercise this love, to prove this love in the way they give, in the way they are generous, he's ultimately calling them to do so not for the sake of the Macedonians or for the, even for the sake of the Christians in Jerusalem, though they all share the one body, but because of Jesus, who's the head of the body. And he goes on in verse 9, he says, For you know... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Indeed, friends, there is no greater example of love, nor of generosity, or of sacrifice, or of sacrifice, sacrificial love, than the Creator of all things, descending from his throne in heaven to come and die for your sake, as Paul says. And I guess it's first important to understand that um, Jesus was rich, existing before he was born to the Virgin Mary in that manger. This is the God who created all things. By speaking to them, 
speaking them into being as we read in Genesis. The same God who sits enthroned over all this creation, sovereign over every last inch of it. So holy that, um, as Isaiah tells us, even angels cover their faces before him. And in Psalm 50, this God speaks to Israel saying, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world and everything in it is mine. And Paul says to the Colossians, he says, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. And yet in an incredible act of love, the creator of all things becomes poor. The eternal God takes on human flesh, becomes clay, suffers and dies at the hands of his own creation. For your sake, Paul says. And when Paul speaks of Jesus, um, who, was, who was rich and becomes poor, this is just another, you know, lost it all story, like he made a bad investment or something. This is a complete leaping of categories, the immortal becoming mortal, the divine becoming man, the all-powerful now at the mercy of his own creation, of mere humans. And why? Well, for love. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, as he says to you today, he became poor for your sake because he loves you. And it is this love which Paul calls us to imitate, to prove in our generosity. This love which our Savior demonstrated in the greatest act of generosity that will ever be known, that in his becoming poor, we might be rich. That in his suffering and death, we might have life. And this is the gospel, it's the good news. And Paul calls the church in Corinth to be generous for the sake of the gospel. Not only the sacrificial love of Jesus, but in the joy of eternal life, in the joy that we are loved by God, who calls us his own. And this is the joy of the church in Macedonia, who give out of nothing that they have, because for the Macedonians, generosity wasn't an overflow of wealth. It was an overflow of joy and of love. And so Paul, in verse 11, speaking to the eagerness that the Corinthians have, he says, Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. Now, for me, as someone who is always full of good intentions, I feel sort of personally attacked by this. I'm sure we've all heard this phrase, it's the thought that counts, right? Well, sometimes that's true, but sometimes, as Paul says, that's not always true. I mean, I wish it counted when I didn't hand in my assignments, because I definitely intended to do them. 
Or when my mum asked me why I didn't wash the dishes, you know. I planned to. I, I really did. And Paul's saying, it's great that you have this desire. Now see that you carry it through. It's, it, it is indeed a good thing when we have love for the body of Christ and for those around us. But we must see that we complete this love, that we demonstrate this love, only like Jesus did. I mean, this is what it means to follow Jesus, literally to walk behind him, doing as he did in his sacrificial love, demonstrated in how he gave his generosity. There are many reasons people may fear this kind of generosity. I mean, it's important that, to remember that Paul says generosity is according to what you have, not what you don't have. But especially during a pandemic, you know, when people don't know what's coming next, there's a fear of where I'm going to be, where we're all going to be in a few months' time or whatever. And being generous takes away that sense of security, I guess. But we should be encouraged, Paul is saying, that Jesus came into poverty that you might become rich. The Lord took on human flesh that we might take on eternal life with him. And it was the glory of this joy that led to their generosity for the Macedonians. And friends, let us pray that we would share the same joy as them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of the church in Macedonia. That though they had nothing, Father, their joy and love for you overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Lord, we thank you for the example we have, most importantly, in your Son, Jesus Christ, who, leaving his throne in heaven, loved us so much that he gave himself for us that we might have life. Lord, we pray as, that as we follow Jesus, as we share in this risen life, that you would increase in us a joy in you and a love for our brothers and sisters, and that you would keep us from fear that we might be overflowing with generosity, Lord. We pray that you do this in us to the glory of your name and for your kingdom, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.